In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio. I am Bob Crispin, your host. I have with me Eric, the artist. I'm a little tired. And I have with me Gary the Stud. I think that's me. <laughs> and I am, again, Bob Crispin, your host. I, I usually go last, and I don't know why I went first. Yeah, you decided time. just to upstage everybody. I did. I'm having, you know, one of those uh, control issue weeks, you know. We're going to have control over everything. Okay, so we're going to talk about three major points tonight, and I think they're all points that everybody wants to talk about recently. We're going to talk first about the cancellation of Cloak and Dagger, along with some new criticism of Marvel by Martin Scorsese and company, and we'll talk about those. We're going to kind of wrap them together as a a package, as it were. We're then going to talk about some new details about the Star Wars Kenobi TV series that's going to be on Disney Plus with Ewan McGregor. And something happened this week in the Star Wars, you know, world. Just kind of a minor thing, little thing. You know, the last trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. Nothing big, but no. just, you know, a little trailer coming out. So, let's get right to it. So, the first thing we want to talk about is the fact that, first off, Disney, surprise, surprise, canceled Cloak and Dagger from Freeform. Yes. Are you guys surprised at all? Like, I saw it when I was driving my car today, and I went, oh, look at that. They got canceled. No, I expect like, every single Marvel movie that's not on Disney Plus to wind down. Like, it completely run yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Gary, what did you think? Uh, same thing as Eric. Yeah. I was, I was actually surprised it lasted as long as it did. To be honest, I'm surprised it got a second season, considering when the season got released, Disney had already bought Fox out. I kind of thought they would bag and can everything. It was kind of like, by the way, I, I will say this. I watched Dark Phoenix. Just so you all know. Yeah, I've watched it. And, you know, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go to the theater to see it. Yeah, it was, I because mean, it didn't it live was, up to the previous. It did not movies. live up to the hype, certainly. And it just didn't, did not come in at the same level as the other movies prior to it. 
Um, I actually got kind of bored with it. it. You know, it's just, I don't know, it fell flat. This show was moving in a positive direction. I was watching it. Season one was pretty good. Season two got a little flat in the middle, but towards the end it started getting interesting because it started to mix in the idea that uh, voodoo magic and all this other stuff may have played a huge role in how Cloak's powers work, which is exactly how the comic books played it out. So it was actually kind of getting excited going, okay, finally we're going to get to, you know, the way that's going to all tie in and, and how Cloak's powers probably work. And they hadn't gotten into that yet. And the other cool thing was Dagger was just starting to learn how her powers work. So it was like finally every all the characters were coming into their own. And now we can't. And it's kind of funny because I kind of felt a little bit about the same way that Joe Pokaski, who plays Cloak, felt. Which is like basically, hey, they finally got their feeding under them, right? They got the show going. They got a good storyline. And then Disney just goes and yanks the, yeah. the rug out from under them. I feel bad a little bit for the actors. It's not their fault. They worked hard on it. It's kind of like Daredevil and the entire series over at Netflix. I thought it was well done. I thought it was well put together. But Disney's doing Disney's thing. You know, like I, I fully expect that to happen. Of course, now the big question was, because they've gotten rid of this show, uh, what happens to Runaways? Because Runaways has been done by Hulu. And there was supposed to be a crossover this coming season between Cloak and Dagger and Runaways. Matter of fact, they hinted at it at the end of Cloak and Dagger. And so now, obviously that can't happen. So now Runaways, I think, is kind of running away and running like. What I thought is I heard something happen? about that said Cloak and Dagger were still going to appear on Runaways. Is that they wouldn't, okay? They wouldn't do anything obviously with Cloak and Dagger because that was canceled, but that they would still redo the characters for a brief stint on that show. Um, that would ha- that's how they- it wouldn't cross over in both directions. It would just be them appearing on Runaways. I thought I heard that somewhere. I'll put time. I'll put money down though. <laughs> runaways will get canceled before any of that can even happen, uh, just because it's Hulu. Yeah, and Hulu is a direct competitor with Disney Plus when this all you know comes down. Hulu's to pretty it. much owned. No, Disney owns. Disney Hulu owns Hulu right now. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Because they that, did they, they buy it pa- out? It's part of their package deal that you get if you buy the three thing. You get Disney, you get Hulu, and you and get yeah, ESPN, ESPN. Right. It's part okay. of the package. All right, so, you know, I don't know. They may just get rid of it at Hulu and just move it, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Well, that's like, what people are wondering, is how many of these shows will be rebooted with new cast? How many will be redone with the same cast? Who might carry over? Right. We had this discussion, was it last week or the week before, about Charlie Cox appearing. We be- we Our bet right now well, yeah. is that he is going to appear as Daredevil in the MCU proper, or at least on the Disney Plus shows at some point. We feel like he's gonna last. The same with Vincent D'Onofrio as as, as Kingpin. Kingpin. Yeah, I, 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 I could would totally see that they could carry him over too. I think the the other characters they could replace. Yeah, I mean, honest. I actually think that what's his I name? I like Power Luke Man. Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage. Right, Luke Cage. I liked his his role. Yeah, I, I could see but them I, carry. He was popular enough. But I think they need to get rid of their Iron Fist. To be honest with you, I think they need a different actor in there. Yeah. Their Danny Rand was not good, and he fell flat. I mean, he was flat everywhere. So I just. Even in Defenders. Well, from what I saw of that, though, I think it was more of the writing than it was his acting and stuff. You might be right on that one. The writing was, I mean, it was like poopy poopy. You know, watch your language. I know, I know, I'm a poopy mouth tonight, but uh, it was bad. No, it was really bad. And and yeah, I, both seasons of Iron Fist fell very flat as far as like having some sort of story arc to it. It just didn't exist. It'll be interesting to see how Marvel plays all this out because I just, you know, there's a lot of things unanswered at this point. They keep making these decisions 
but there's not any sort of like rhyme or reason behind the scenes. But I'm sure they've got it. They well, just, no, I think the rhyme we just or don't know is it. Everything's being everything's being pushed towards Disney into Plus. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm finding more and more interesting. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to headlines and stuff. Like in the last quarter alone, Directv and Dish have reported, and I, it's just because I just stepped away from Directv, right. and I'm starting to kind of have like my own eyes open to streaming service. They have seen a 58% drop-off in the number of people using their services. People are literally ditching Dish Networks at five times the rate that they did in the previous year. Yeah, I can believe it. And a lot of it has to do with, and i got to be honest with you, this is what pushed me over the edge. These contracts are negotiating with like ABC, NBC, Fox, everything, right? They'll, they won't. They won't negotiate with with Fox or whoever, and then you lose all your Fox stations, NBC and ABC, and then you're kind of like, okay, well, what am I paying for, right? Like you have this contract, you lose the contract. They blame Fox and NBC, but to be honest with you, I'm not paying Fox and NBC. I'm paying Directv. It's their job to go negotiate on my behalf, and to sit there and say, well, it's their fault that you don't have the TV. I don't buy that, right? The providers are the problem, and so everybody's ditching them and going to streaming, and they're surprised. And well, I'm like, you shouldn't be surprised at this point. It's the same way with physical media. We had cassette tapes overrun right. by CDs. Everyone said CDs would be the be-all, end-all. Then Blu-ray came out. Right. Then everyone said that was going to be the be-all, end-all. Then well, we LaserDisc was in between, by the Laser way. LaserDisc was in there, yeah. <laughs> Which I fell into that trap. <laughs> but it's it's one of these things where, you know, technology is going to change every... Within 10 years, it's going to modify, and something new is going to be out. I'm and sure there'll be streaming. some sort of crazy version of streaming later yeah, on. You know, yeah, you know, it's like... Beam it directly to your head. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. is, it, it, I think cable is just pretty much going I, I the think way of the dinosaur. Yeah, it is like beyond the dinosaur. And what I find interesting with that is as these satellite companies are announcing about how bad things are for them, well, now we've got all these companies jumping into streaming. So like Apple's jumping well, yeah. into streaming. Well, Apple's had Apple TV Apple's had Apple TV, but now all of a sudden... Did you notice they're starting to produce their own shows? They're investing, you know I mean? like, some, more money. They're investing some more money in that. You get these crazy deals like Amazon spending, what, $55 million for Lord of the Rings? Oh, no, it was billion. Uh, five, 50, five billion. billion. I'm five. talking about $55 million Per episode. episode. Something crazy. Yeah. It was. <laughs> for a Lord of the Rings TV show. And to be honest with you, there's so much hype behind it. I think they're going to get it back. That's the insane part. As long as they do a good job. A Which just, I think they it will. It doesn't even have to be... Like, the greatest show you've ever seen. It just has no, to be good. It has to be just watchable. Be, right. And I think the writing's all done for you. That's the sick part of it all. You're talking about J.R.R. Tolkien's books. He, he still has... There's still whole compendiums of stuff they haven't touched yet. And the great thing about that is, literally, I don't know if you guys heard, they rehired Weta Workshop. So the, the company that did all the, the armor work and all the costumes and everything for Lord of the... They just went back to them and said, hey, could you guys open back up and, and we'll hire you to come and do it? They're like, Sure. They still have the armor sets <laughs> oh, for the yeah, works and everything else. So they're going to save them tons of money because a lot of the stuff that they're going to be looking at, it's right there. These guys never got rid of it. You know, normally when you see a movie go away, they get rid of all the sets, all the props, right, everything else. What a workshop. They're the smartest guys around. I don't know why they did this, but they hired a company to professionally store all their stuff and they kept it all. Yeah. And well, you're, now Hobbiton, they'll just open it back Hobbiton up. Hobbiton exists still. They turned yeah, it into still, a tourist Yeah, it's a tourist city. trap in New Zealand right yeah, now. Yeah, and it's, it's completely <clears throat> looks like the movie set. It's and like, it's made a ton of money, yeah. from what I understand. I'd love to go see it someday. Some, I, I don't know how the heck I'd get over to New Zealand, but... Yeah, that's about as far away from us as you can get. <laughs> pretty much. It's other pretty, side of the world. I think it's almost exactly on the other side. or very close <laughs> to it. But I would love to go see it. But 
Yeah, I think streaming services is the new thing, and and unfortunately, I think all these companies are gonna like Disney are gonna ditch everything else. Now, the other interesting story with this one is a story that I thought got some steam this week, and it shouldn't have, to be honest with you. And I wanted us to talk about it just because I, I really want to kind of I want to talk a minute about the discussion that was had. So what I'm talking about is earlier this week, Martin Scorsese pretty much slammed Disney and Marvel. Scorsese called Marvel movies theme park movies, yeah. which I thought was an interesting play on words, as it were. He is not happy. Uh, now, you got to remember Martin Scorsese, I think, quite honestly, how do I put this? He is yesteryear's director. Am I, am I correct in well, like he, calling his, that? His big years were the late, I think, late 70s and the 80s. And the into 80s, the 90s. Right? Into the I mean, 90s, he, he did Goodfellas. But... He did, Scorsese was Goodfellas, I believe, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. But he's, I mean, he, let's put it this way. He is a phenomenal director. He correct. is a king of the industry. He is huge. Right. But he's also of his time. Right. And, and I, when's the last Scorsese film that came out? I, uh, I mean, that's the part I was like... I have to look. I can't even think about what the last one was. And then on top of it, as if that wasn't bad enough... Uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, the Irishman. <laughs> the Irishman. This is true. The Irishman does come out. Isn't that straight to Netflix? Well, there is a Netflix movie, isn't it? No. It's, they're going to have a uh, like a teaser. You can see it on Netflix before you can see it in the theater. Yeah, I think so. But you, but you have to... Sign up and pay a certain oh really a certain amount of money for it yeah and then on top of it Francis Ford Coppola and Ken Loach kind of jumped in on it too and we're like yeah yeah we agree with him you know the the MCU movies are making movies impossible to be artistic at all in any way shape or form he did do the Wolf of Wall Street that was okay that was like yeah I was gonna say that's like five the, years old yeah six he years did old. oh he did Hugo which was very different from most other movies that was a little more recent he did. Uh, the Aviator. He did a lot with DiCaprio. Yep. But yeah, I mean, he's known for his mob movies. And, yeah. You know, stuff like that. And so, you know, part of me is like reading this, you know, and he talks about, oh, you can make independent films, but that's putting people in the margins, putting art in the margins. And he kind of feels like comic book movies have taken the art out of movies. And he feels like they should be in a separate category. I, I'm thinking he's talking about the awards category, the, the, well, right? Well, the thing is, he's... he's He's not railing against the movies themselves. When you get down to it, he's railing against the industry that supports the movies. Right. The franchise mentality of studios. He doesn't like that you can't come to a studio with an original idea and say, we're just doing this one-off movie. It might be a big hit, might not, but it, you know we're going to do this movie. No, the, the studio nowadays says, well, where's the franchise potential? What are the sequels? What are this? And that's been driven by the interconnectedness of the MCU specifically. Um, he could rail against some comic book movies out there like Venom or right. Spawn or the movies that, you know... The lack of art in some of them, yeah. But the MCU movies, for those of us, for all of us who've watched them and we know, there is a high level of quality in most yeah. of those movies and an amazing amount of storytelling going on, very well done, with good characters, great acting, great, great excellence. story development, yeah. you know. So he's not railing specifically against that, I feel. I think he's just upset because those movies became so successful... They changed the industry, and right. now the studios think differently, and they don't think the way they used to, which is how he used to get movies made. So let me ask you guys, uh, and we always we know the one we know is the story about Star Wars. Could a George Lucas? I'm just saying somebody like George Lucas. Could they come along today 
pitch a Star Wars idea and convince a 20th century Fox to back him on that in today's environment? Do you think that's even possible? I'm going to say no. It. And why would you say no, Gary? I'll come back, Gary. Yeah, go, Eric, no, go ahead, so go think ahead. about it for a second. Why would you say no, Gary? I was kind of curious. Well, the only movie he had before that was American Graffiti. Correct. That didn't perform really well. And then he's just going to pitch a movie... About plastic soldiers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, 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 even Fox back then didn't even really... They had to be talked into it. But, but they they put, didn't want to do it. Okay, the movie they put the money behind... Yeah. ...was uh, Damnation Alley. Right. That was going to be the movie that was going to be... The, that was their box office breaker for the season. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. And they dumped quite a bit of money into that movie, and it didn't perform at all. Right. And Star Wars did. He got lucky. That's all. Yeah. I. What do you think, Eric? I think it could happen, but I think Gary just totally summed it up. It's going to be pure luck when it happens again. Yeah. There's not going to be anyone who can go, I've got it. I've got the greatest idea in the world. They've got to take me. It'll it'll get made. It's going to be a luck. Someone is going to do something. They're going to sneak through the system. They'll get something made for not huge amount, but decent. And it'll be the next thing that explodes. It'll become a cultural phenomenon someday. It'll happen. But right now, the industry is so focused on reboots. Yeah. Let's tell that story again with different actors because now it's been 20 years and the new generation of kids haven't seen that movie, so let's show it again because it's like making a new movie. Right. Or, hey, that book series like Harry Potter is successful. Let's make seven movies off of that. I mean, that's where the industry is right now. Someone, though, is going to someday make a film that's going to be its own idea, not based on a previous book, not a reboot, and it's going to catch and it'll, it'll get big again and something will happen and people will, will scramble for that. And then you'll see a million copycats. It's inevitable that it'll keep happening. I just think it'll happen a lot less often because, yeah, you can't make an indi- you know an individual film like that anymore. It's hard. I actually think it's going to happen soon. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I think actually everybody's starving for a new something. Something completely different than everything else. But what I think is going to have to happen in order for that to happen is somebody is going to have to take technology... And just use it and make a movie for very little. You know what I mean? As far as like costs, overall overhead, but still have amazing effects. And it can be done. That's the cool thing about the technology now. You could up the technology without putting a lot of money behind that element and still produce a decent quality movie. I mean, look at some of the fan films we've looked at. They're an incredible quality. And that's and they're all they're doing is taking somebody else's story and injecting their con, you know concept into it. Imagine if somebody did that, but without any other storyline, they actually do a quality film without Hollywood being involved. I actually think Hollywood's starving for that. Some sort of independent someone to come along and tell an amazing story that's not a reboot. I think I think the public's like dying for that just because i think we're all getting sick of reboots i don't know about you guys but i'm kind of done with the reboot thing i really am i think tons of people are done with the reboots but they're going to keep making them because people steep because people still go to the movies to see them you're right what what i'm tired of is seeing the tv shows being made into movies movies, yeah i agree with you Um, and actually i think what we're going to start seeing now unfortunately is the other way around i think they're going to take movies and make them into tv shows you know what i mean they're going to go the other way with it 
So, go ahead, Gary. Well, it, it, it's just because they're, nobody wants to go out to a movie theater anymore. You're right. And that's why they're doing it on the TV, the streaming and all that other stuff. So, like, one, I can do it at home. I can watch it when I want to watch it. Not when, you know, between 7 and 9 right. on a Saturday. Right. You know, so I, I can watch it at 2, 2, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on a Tuesday night if I wanted to. Have, <laughs> have you guys heard about the new concept that a, a, a theater starting out in California kind of like it? It's called a pod theater. So you go and you, you pay your ticket to get in, but you get in a pod. And there's different size pods. There's a one-person pod, there's a two-person, there's a four, and like an eight-person pod. And you get in your pod, and you watch your movie, but you're in, like, it, and it's like a, you know, those old-style video arcade games, you know, where you close the two doors on either side. It's just a little mini theater with surround sound in the pod, and you watch the movie, and it's on your time. So if you want to pause to go use the restroom... You pause it, you get up, you go use the restroom, you come back to your pod, you, you continue this on. This sounds like going to my friend's house, so it was a nice big TV screen. I get yeah, it. I, I, I can't see myself wanting to do that well, experience. Well, the reason people are doing it is because it's of the quality. So there's a decent quality screen in front of you, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's right. a, a fairly good quality. And then the other part of it is, for, some, for this pod theater, you can do uh, what they call the uh, excellence experience, which is they come to you with like food and stuff like that. So you can order food, and, and a waitress will come and, and serve you and all that. So I can see a family who maybe wants to go to a movie for dinner, and you order your dinner, have it brought to you by your waitress, and you can pause and play as you go. But I just thought it was an interesting experience. It would be a different experience. It's and different, I'm wondering if it would like, draw people into the theater. I just feel like know? I'd be paying a lot more to, to what I could do at home, which is... Movie order, I, yeah, I get order what you're pizza, saying. and hey, we all watch a movie. I get what you're saying, but I, <laughs> I really think theaters. There's two things theaters need to start weighing out. First off, the price of their tickets. Yeah, I really think that's a big factor. It right is. They've gotten. I mean, they, when I started seeing movies, they were, I want to say, four fifty. Yeah, three, three to four fifty. Now you know what's been driving the prices of those tickets, right? It's not really the theaters. It's the studios. It's the studios. Yeah. They're getting greedy. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, they are. Well, well first of all, they got to pay for uh, Brad Pitt's $40 million right. uh, salary. The contracts that they're yeah. getting, yep. Yeah. And then the licensing, right? Yeah. So there's all of that element to it, too. I actually kind of feel bad for the theaters because they're kind of getting squeezed out. That's why they the do. The, I scenario. mean, that's why they sell their concessions as high as they do because that's where right. all their money is That's made. where the money's being made. It's not being made on the theater yeah. itself. And that's the sad part. This is kind of like gasoline stations not making money on gasoline, they're making money on the. You know, the Pepsi and the, the products being sold inside, but not on the gas being sold outside. I kind of feel like movie theaters have been squeezed the same direction. They're not making any money on the movie. They're making money on the concessions. It's really sad that that's mm -hmm. the case. But, you know, I, I kind of agree with you guys. It's it's interesting that, that we're talking about all this. And yet, here we are saying, you know what? We actually don't agree with Scorsese's take on this. You know what I mean? But I guess the question really is, has Marvel taken the art out of movies, do you get what I'm saying? Like, are people unwilling to be artistic now because the studios are looking for that next franchise that's going to make them big bucks? Is is that possible? If he's saying people are using existing media like comic stories that have been told for the last thirty years, so let's adapt them into movies as a crutch. Yeah, yeah, I, I see a lot of that happening. I mean, they're all that's what the studios are. They comb. Graphic novels, and they call them young youth, young right. adult novels, and they're looking for pre-existing. That's, but that's the thing is, 
there's still an art being made. It's just not being made at the movie level. It's being made right. before the movie's made, and the movie's adapting it. And that seems to be the trend right now. And yes, I do wish the movies would come back to original content. That's how the heck we got Ghostbusters. Right. Ghostbusters right. was no media before the movie right. came out. It was a unique film that was a huge hit. We need more films like that that do something original that's not tied to a previous something or other. And that's how they're going to get people back in the seats. Because right now you got all these people going, oh, I could read the book. I could watch the show. I, you know, whatever. I could go read the comics. Or, right. You know, granted, the movies, yeah, they're making billions. But you want to change the industry back, make original content again that you can't see anywhere else. you got to go to the movie to see it. <laughs> Gary, do you think the art is lost on movies now? I mean, like, are, are we done with art? And, and it's now about franchising rights and... Right now, I, I think so, yes. Okay. And uh, like Eric is saying, they're, they're scouring books and, and comic books and stuff that, to, to, to make to make the movies and stuff. And there's a couple of series of books that I've been reading that I'm actually afraid of if they actually do make a movie. <laughs> okay. Because they want to do it justice. Right. <laughs> right, I get what you're saying there. You know? So, so here's the thing. Like, I, I was thinking about this this week because I do the history of jazz with my eighth graders. And one of Duke Ellington's biggest rails against swing, right, when the swing era came out, was that it took the art out of music. In other words, swing became all about the money, how much money the studios could make off the recordings for swing music. And Duke Ellington was about the art. He didn't care about the money. He was about making new forms of music, redoing music, you know, rethinking in the way. And I kind of get what Scorsese's saying. I think we, in history, we are going to look back at this era of films and say... The studio kind of threw the baby out of the bathwater here and went, well, we're going to make a ton of money off this stuff. The heck with the artistic side of this. We're going to make money. And the problem is you can only make money for so long. And then at some point, the art gets lost. And then everybody starves for the art and they want to go back to the art. By the way, that's how the folk revolution happened in American music because suddenly everybody was like, well, you know, this is great, but it's not telling a story. We'd rather get back to the music that tells stories. And so by the 60s, the folk revolution comes along, rock and roll changes everything, everything gets altered back to kind of this like roughneck way of storytelling through your music. And I really could see where the film industry is going through the same thing that jazz went through going into rock and roll. It's the same concept. And I'm waiting for those independent indie films to come along. They're going to change it all and, get, and start moving us back towards the artistic side of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out over time. <laughs> Okay, so the next thing we wanted to talk about, uh, this was all over the force.net, is that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor, sat down and had an interview uh, this past week talking about the TV series for Kenobi that's going to be coming out on Disney+. And of course, a lot of people got excited about some of the things that he said. He says he's returning to the character after 15 years. Uh, and this is a quote from him. I want to get closer and closer to how Obi-Wan felt while Alec Guinness was playing him. I feel like I'm grayer and nearer to him in age, so I'll be easier to do that. And then he commented about what it's about. The storyline sits between episode three and four when the Jedi Order was falling apart. It will be interesting to take a character we know in a way and show him. Well, his arc will be quite interesting. I think dealing with that, the fact that all the Jedi were slaughtered and with the end of episode three, it's quite something to get over. So a lot of people are excited about this idea that it's going to be set between episodes three and four. And so basically, if I'm understanding correctly, we're going to watch Obi-Wan go from being the 
Jedi Knights, Jedi Master, really, as it were, to the hermit that he becomes by episode four, right? The hermit who shouts at sand people to get off his lawn. Right, basically. You know, know, Gary, you made an interesting point, though, too, that that I don't think Obi-Wan just stayed on Tatooine. There's no way, I, I just can't buy that he went to the planet and just watched over Luke Skywalker that he had to go somewhere and do something, right? Like, that's what you were commenting about before? Well, I just, I just said that we find out why he became a hermit. Okay. No, more so than anything else. And we're definitely going to see the duel between him and uh, Maul then. You think in live action we'll, we'll finally see it? I, think, I, I don't think they'll touch it. I think it was covered might. in anime. I mean, granted, not many everybody... Not a ton of fans necessarily watch that right. show, so they could retouch on that. But it, it could, and they could touch on uh, Solo going to if they do make another Solo movie or they could TV show whatever. They could touch on him being on Tatooine too and possibly well, run into Obi Wan and that knowing it. Right, and then supposedly at least again if you go to the comic books here, right, and this is Disney's comics, not the older comics. Uh, Boba Fett runs into Obi Wan searching for Han Solo. So in the comic books, that's I have the the whole Obi Wan series, and Boba Fett runs into him and tries to convince Obi Wan to help him find Han Solo, not knowing that Obi Wan's an old Jedi Knight. Um, and then by the time he figures it out, Obi Wan figures out who Boba Fett is, and he's a bounty hunter, and then refuses to help him. So it's kind of an interesting, actually, a really interesting storyline on, on based on all of that in the comic books. They may use that as their baseline, and then they may just throw that out and go with their own thing. I guess my question is: Do you think there's enough story to tell here? Well, yeah, for Obi Wan, I think because they could easily start this story not on Tatooine. The story is going to start, I think, with him trying to find if any Jedi are left. There could be two to three episodes of him yeah. running, uh, avoiding being killed, hunting down. Can I? Is there anyone I can save? Where did Yoda go? What's going on? Before they move him into the the more and more isolated stages later in the series, ending on Tatooine. I mean, I think they could do a ton with that. So I do wonder if they maybe will touch base with the the time, because there was a, in episode three there was like this gap at the ending, right? Because Obi Wan takes off his direction, Yoda goes his, and then they finally end up meeting on the Tantive Four. So there was kind of a gap. There was a timeline gap, and they don't tell you how long that gap is. That could have been a couple years, for all we know. And I wonder if some of the stuff that happened in between they could use. As the beginning of Obi Wan's story arc, are, 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 you you know? ta- are you talking where uh, Yoda and Obi Wan meet up on the Tenev? Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Well, that's where uh, Obi Wan just defeated Anakin, and, and Yoda just defeated the uh, the kids are there. Yeah, I mean, Emperor. she just had her were kids. Were they there? Oh yeah, so the kids not, were there. It's not that long. It's I only, guess yeah, it's, it's not same that time long. Period. Yeah, I don't it, know it, why it, in my head I always thought that was long. <laughs> it might be longer, because at the end of the you're right, Revenge of Sith, he's handing. Leia or Luke to... Yeah, yeah that's true. Because um, Yoda said, take them, you know, and go. And, yeah. And and that was another thing, too. Uh, Joe, Joe Edgerton that played um, Owen, mm-hmm. they said he's in it, too. Oh, he's going to be in it? Yes. That'll be interesting. So so maybe he visits a couple times right. awkwardly. Well, I'll just check <laughs> Checking up. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. We might have, we might have a kid uh, uh, cast Anakin. to play a young uh, Luke. Or yeah, young, young Luke, yeah. Let's just hope he doesn't go through what... <laughs> Poor, yeah, poor Annie went through. Um, that poor actor, I feel bad now, for Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what one of the, the, the stories is going to be. Okay. Obi-Wan looking for gas. <laughs> <laughs> he needs fuel. 
I think another one's going to be, you know, that the Jawas keep stealing his books. Thank you. I was just about to get to that one. You beat me the to The Jawas it. keep stealing the books. <laughs> and then there's that, you know, that storyline with Panda Bobo. <laughs> Where he becomes an architect and builds buildings. <laughs> I, you know, I'm... Are you guys pumped about this show? Like, are you as excited about this show as, say, The Mandalorian? Or yes, I am, because it's you and McGregor coming back and doing it. And okay, that's I'm that's enough for I'm, you. Right I'm there. Enough, enough for me to have me at okay. how to watch it. Yeah, Plus, it's it's, it's it's not going to be a long series, so I think no. it's going to be pretty. Con- you know, it's not like let's stretch a mystery out over three seasons. And yeah, blah, blah. it's going to be that is that seems to be the new norm. By the way, that Disney Plus. I looked it up. The Mandalorian's only six episodes long for its first season. Well, same well, thing with the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Is it first episode six episodes for the first season or first half before a break? Well, at least the schedule they've released so far is six. It so might, I don't know. It it's might a good be question. like a two month break before a second, you know, like Maybe. a mid season break. Yeah. Now, what what we could also see is just six episodes, six hours of him just walking through the desert. <laughs> right. It could be. Like, maybe, like the droids. I was going to say, maybe he finds the droids on his way by, you know. Hey, guys. <laughs> that would be awesome. Getting to be... lonely, inappropriately touching Jawas. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a very sad show. I just want to see Disney Plus make it an episode or not an episode, but a, a series where they retrieve the, 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 the poor little droid that's go, flying through hyperspace. And the He's still stuck on this. <laughs> yeah, those are the two. <laughs> yes, there, yes, and the A Wing pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you guys noticed too that not only did they release the schedule of, of The Mandalorian, it's not going to be. Released all at once. No, Disney yeah. Plus they has decided to do weekly releases. Yeah, they are not doing binge watching. So we're gonna have to watch this weekly and be biting our fingernails in between I'm okay episodes. With that. <laughs> the first week, by the way, they're doing two episodes. They're doing a Tuesday night and then a Friday night. So that might be a crazy week for us, but it'll be totally worth it. Okay, so the last thing we're gonna talk about at the beginning of the episode, and and. I know everybody's been dying for our viewpoint on this because, you know, people die for our viewpoints and things. Yes. And please that's, stop. Please stop dying. It, please stop. Yes. It weighs, that would be have, I get a lot of guilt. It weighs heavily on That me. would be totally awful. And that is the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. So let's talk about this trailer because I, there's just there's so much to unpack as we go through this trailer. And so I might pause a couple of times. So at the beginning, we see Ray running through the forest and she ditches... Gary, you said it was a... Blast shield. A blast shield, okay. Just like what Luke had in the Falcon. Because she's training with those... Do you think she's training with it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like she's back on Jakku, doesn't it? Like, Well, she's running through uh, the forest. forest. She's running then through the she jungle. Takes, she takes a leap, and then she's... It's it's a cut. It looks to, like a loop, a cut scene to Jakku. Right? No, it's well. I think she's it's the Death Star. I think this is a scene where oh, she's working her way through the wreckage. Okay. So they've just taken scenes from different parts of the movie and edited them together. And then we see Finn looking through binoculars, which you know you totally expect. And then we cut back to her running through a forest. Yeah. So it definitely is like, but 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 you know, like not a typical Star Wars trailer. Then we see a whole bunch of people gathered underneath what looks like to be a ship platform. Is it possible that might be the ghost there? Nah, I doubt it. Doubt it. Okay. But if right there in the in the, mil- in the back's Millennium Falcon, though, right? Right, right underneath the right in the middle, there's yep. Lando. That's yes. Lando Calrissian. If, if you go down a little bit and to the right, there's Cookie Monster. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh yeah, it does kind of look like. What the heck is that thing? So yeah, we have this kind of weird scene with Lando in the middle. Yeah, like, uh, there's there you're right. There's Mc, right. Dominic McGonaghan. Oh yeah, there he is. Yeah. So I just paused where Rose Tico 
shows up. (laughs) And uh, so the question that came up was, like, Rose Tigo was seriously injured in the last movie, right? You thought. She she almost collapsed like she could have died. Like, a lot of people thought she died. And then, you know, there was that question, like, how did she end up here? And I mean, not that I hated the character, but, you know, I know there were people that did, but I didn't hate it. And for some reason... What do you think of the orange X-Wing? I was about to say, so we come up on an orange X-Wing here. I don't know. I'm okay with it. I mean, I think it sounds like the. Re- if I feel like the resistance colors are that orange and silver anyway. So I think it's it's camouflage to fly at sunsets. Oh yeah, I didn't think about so that. So you fly along the orange sky. You can't even see it. Sure. So we see Poe Finn Chewbacca with his bowcaster, and then we see what looks to be. Am I wrong? This looks to be the Batana Four raise up out of the forest. It, 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 could, it could could be, or it just could be just another Corvette. Just another Corvette. But it's still pretty cool to yeah, see a Corvette launching, launching through over the trees. And then all of a sudden we make another jump cut to uh, a planet that's got oceans and waves and a platform. Yeah, and, of is, course, we is, know what's going to happen here because we've seen it a million times. It's Ray. It's, it's Kylo Ren. And it's the Death Star remains in the ocean. Yeah, and the planet is Kuray uh, or something like that. Kuray? Okay. Then some, we some somewhere to that. I'm not, don't don't quote me on it. But. Then we cut to a scene. And I still think it's like I'm still trying to figure this one out. It looks like an iceberg. <laughs> it's a space iceberg. <laughs> it looks like a space iceberg oh. with what should be water. But Eric, you made the point that I didn't think about, which <clears throat> I thought it was reflective. The ice was reflecting from one side to the other, but that doesn't make sense only because the Tie Fighters are not reflecting. If yeah, that's the I case. think it's something floating in space and it has an equator, like a okay. It, it, it grows to in both directions. No, oh, it grows in both directions. So we see on what appears to be on that a throne, or what appears to be a throne. Uh, that is not Palpatine's throne, correct? No, it is his. It is his throne. And it's uh, straight from the uh, concept art that Ralph McQuarrie had painted, really? painted back in the 70s. Oh, so that's interesting. So we see maybe his old throne back in the day. Okay, throwback throne, I love it. They zoom in on that quite a bit. And then we see this famous scene of a Star Destroyer coming up almost out of the water, right? Is uh, that the ice. implication? It, like, is it ice? It, it might be hitting the iceberg. I think it's okay. hidden. I think the iceberg is encasing it. Is encasing it. it. it the okay. Then, we, of course, we come up on the Rebel Fleet. This is like the most famous shot that everybody's squeeing about on the internet. Yeah, but my question is, where did all these people come from? Because at the end of the last... They have a jump to make here, because at the end of The Last Jedi, it was the Millennium Falcon with like a dozen people on right. it. Right, there was, was like the, five people left. It was like, that was the rebellion. No one right. came to help them. So where are all these people coming from? Where are from? they all? I agree with you. I, they, Eric, they, I'm, I'm, I agree. They sent a distress signal out. Yeah, but no one no one responded. They said they couldn't come. So they showed up anyway. Maybe they did <laughs> show late. up. Well, they had to find some gas stations. So they had to build up. <laughs> we had to fill up. We stopped for some Burger King. Yep. And uh, we got sidetracked at a Denny's. <laughs> and then they took a wrong turn. They had to roll them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they came in and went, wow. <laughs> my, my, Google, my Google Star Maps t- totally sent me to the wrong place. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, this shot is what made a lot of people squee because of the things you could see in the background. You have the Millennium Falcon show up in front, but it's not the Falcon that grabbed everybody's attention. To the right of the Millennium Falcon is the ghost. It's pretty obvious it's there. <laughs> Except for Bob. Except for yeah. me, who apparently <laughs> missed it the first three times I watched this. Uh, the, what I kept focusing on, and it's my grabbed my eye, was right behind the Falcon is, is the hammerhead from Rogue One. So I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just I don't know. My eye got, got immediately attracted to that and saw it and went, oh, hammerhead. And then, then there's the medical frigate, too, from Empire Strikes Back behind the ghost. 
And there's all sorts of other ships and, and crazy, huge, massive ships here um, all over the place. Oh. I was expecting to see like A-wings and X-wings and B-wings, but that's not what we're seeing here. But but they got the bombers from the Last Jedi. Is that what's... Yeah, some of those are, are we, aren't they? Are we going to yeah. finally get like a great space battle? Because so I'm far these new, these new movies have not had, had, had nothing great in that space regard. battles. Yeah. Not at all. And you see, that to me, that's what put... A new hope on the map is the nice dogfight battles yeah. outside of the Death Star. So and, maybe and, we finally get one. And it looks like a Borg spear in there. It really does kind of look like a Borg spear. Then we cut to again. There's a lot of cutting here going on. A scene inside the Millennium Falcon cockpit, uh, but very reminiscent of A New Hope. Except instead of having Han, Luke, Leia, that crew, we have Ray, Chewie, Finn, and Poe. And, and what looks like C three PO, right? Yeah, three, three, three PO. Yeah, he's in at the very but, end. But if you look at the the way Ray's looking at Chewbacca, it's like, ooh, yeah, I was... some looking love. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she likes to pet the carpet. I don't know. Uh, very well. <laughs> then we cut again back to the water scene with Ray and what appears to be Kylo fighting each other. And again, there's a lot of little cuts in here now. So then we cut to an explosion. Real quick. Real quick. What do you guys think that explosion is? I've been debating about that for a it's while. It's interesting now. that they threw that in because it's literally about a half second long shot. Right. But I think it's a significant explosion. What do you think that might be? The Millennium Falcon. That's what I'm thinking too. Because I'm looking at that center and that looks to me like the core, the center section of the Millennium Falcon. It'll be interesting to see if that's the case. Uh, then we move on and we see what appears to be Ray on like a water skiff trying to make her way across the water. I think that's just her trying to get to. The Death Star. Yep. And then the scene, other scene that made other people squeal. Okay, this little dude is working on C-3PO, and someone asks him, hey, uh, what are you thinking about? It's Poe, looks like. And he's saying, I'm looking at my friends for the last time. Taking one last look. Wait, one last look. And it's Ray, it's Finn, it's Poe, it's DDO, it's BB-8, and here's the one everybody missed in the trailer. No, everybody caught it. You missed it. Did they it. caught it? I missed it. I must be the biggest <laughs> idiot in the world. I don't know. We finally see the character that Carrie Russell is playing in costume, uh, which is pretty cool. It definitely has a Mando-esque look, don't you think, Gary? I mean, I thought it, it did. It has a Rocketeer look. Yeah, yeah Rocketeer. That's, that's I'll give you that. It's got a Rocketeer <laughs> look, too. But um, it's got a T-visor on it almost, too, just a little bit. It, it, it kind of reminds to me of the uh, other Mandalorian and the Rebels there. Yes, that's what I was thinking, yes. That, that girl there that was something's yeah. friend there. Yeah. Uh, you guys I, were also pointing out in the way in the back corner over Finn's shoulder is yeah, there's a medical droid. Right, there's a medical droid, a 2-1-B yep. droid. And later, Gary points out that there's a battle droid in the background yep. in the back right of the corner, if you missed it. The very next shot. Yeah. He might be right that there's a droid to call over uh, C-3PO's right shoulder. So there's there's all sorts of cool droid references, too. Because the, the little thing that was fixing C-3PO there, he is a, a robotics expert. Expert. And of course, we have R2 twerping, and we have Chewbacca growling, and then we have another scene where it looks like they're running through what looks like a Death Star, shooting stormtroopers. Or, stormtroopers or Star Destroyer. Yeah. Or Star Destroyer. It might be right there. Then we have this touching scene with Leia hugging Rey, yeah. and Rey crying. So I'm wondering if, if you know, one of the major sacrifices, we'll talk about that in a second, might be involving Leia, and, and Leia in a big way. Then we see this the the scene on the the desert planet that we knew it was coming with Finn and Poe and BB-8 on a skiff. We see Lando flying the Millennium Falcon with Chewie side by side. Now this is the one that kept grabbing my eye 
They have an A-Wing going at a Star Destroyer. And, and that's uh, Zori, whatever her name is. Oh, you think it's her? Okay. That, that's her Y-Wing. That's her Y-Wing? Yeah. Okay. Going at a Star Destroyer, but the thing that caught my attention was the Star Destroyer has this big, like, cannon underneath it, and it's got this red tint to it. And all I could think of was that looks like the energy that they used on Starkiller Planet to, you know, power up the gun. At least that's what it looked like to me. It says the saga will end. Then we see all these horse-like creatures with Poe and a couple other people and BB-8 rolling along on it. Now, I assumed this was on a planet. There's a cut shot later, we'll talk about it, where we don't think it's on a planet. Then we see the infamous throne room with Rey and Kylo on it. Do you think this Rey and Kylo lightsaber battle is going to be a long... Wait, I think it's going to be like Return of the Jedi. All I know is it's going they to take said, a while, and they're going to keep cutting like, in and out. You mean of it. like uh, Revenge of the Sith? That was the long. Well, one. that was a really long one too. But I, I, I also think like Re- and Return of the Jedi. You have to admit that's a pretty long well, lightsaber it was a good battle. One, yeah, because they kept cutting, cutting in and out, right, telling the Endor yeah, story, and it, that it was a long one for the original trilogy. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. It's no. It, I think the the fight. Phantom Menace was longer than that one. You're right. Yeah. I still think we're not going to get anything better than that fan. The, that was a that Phantom piece. Menace one was just yeah. amazing. Darth Maul's fight was the to me the number one ranked. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is ever going to be able to choreograph something any better than Ray Park ever yeah. could. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the truth. Then we see another one where Finn runs along. He's screaming no, and and then here's the other shot I think some people missed. You see Ray, you see Kylo, and they're blowing something up, and I am convinced it's a statue. Of Darth Vader. Now, here's where it gets weird. Uh, we haven't seen this background anywhere prior to this point. It looks a little Cloud City-esque. I agree, I agree with Erica. That was my first take on it. But now that I've seen it a couple other times, I'm noticing it's got the windows of a Star Destroyer or a Death Star on it. Now, Gary, you pointed something out. I didn't catch any of the times I watched it. Ray's got a dagger yeah. in this scene. I've never seen her carry a dagger before. It's dragon so, glass. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Just in case, right? Yep. Then we see the cut shot we were talking about earlier where all the horses are not running on a planet, but it looks like it's running across the deck, or at least the the, the hood, I guess is the best <laughs> way to put it, of a Star Destroyer, which is incredible if that's what's going on. They get mag boots on their... I was going to say, how do they not float off in space? Well, I think these are all... Gravity's not a thing. They're, they're in an atmosphere. I think these oh, things think are so? coming up out of the ice, and there's an okay. atmosphere. And Then we see another uh, scene of Kylo, and then the infamous scene where we're pretty sure that it's Palpatine on some sort of chair, mechanized something, coming at Ray, getting closer. I just think he just made himself that big. And then... It's just a shot of Ray holding her lightsaber, and that's it. Yeah. We and the last two Wars. voices you hear are both Luke and Leia. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, if you listen. The Force will be with you. And then Leia goes, always. So, this particular trailer supposedly made people cry, squee, go crazy. What was your guys' reaction when you saw it? I wish the first movie and the second movie looked this good. Looked cool, like this. Yeah. Uh, my problem is that, and I've said it many times... The Force Awakens was a reboot movie, mm-hmm. and The Last Jedi had huge story issues for me that seemed to go off script from what they intended the trilogy to tell a story of. It's like they're trying to recover everything now, but that's my fear, is it's going to be too much, too late to try and jam in. It's like, well, let's we got to wrap all these things up, and the stories that we didn't tell in Last Jedi... I still feel like The Last Jedi was a huge misstep in telling the 
trilogy, story stories. trilogy. Okay. And that he's got to do a lot of covering here. Might come out fine. Might be paced well. Might tell great things. Might be cool imagery. Might might be awesome. I hope it is. I have my worries still, though, that some things won't be earned. And I, we were talking about this off air that we think, well, are there going to be major character deaths coming up? For example, 3PO saying, looking at my friends for the last time, is he going to sacrifice himself somehow? To me, I go, well, that death won't feel earned because he's had so little to do in two-thirds of this trilogy so far. He hasn't been 3PO appearing regularly and what he, right. he had like one line in the force awakens or two lines he had like i can't remember what he did in the, the last jedi because it, it's you know so it it i feel like they're gonna try to earn some things that maybe they haven't earned story-wise and that's my fear i hope it all turns out good though i want to enjoy this movie gary what do you what do you think like how did the, re- the trailer make you react when you saw it yeah <laughs> it was exactly like it was like what about it is like, eh, I guess it's like... It, it didn't do nothing for me. It, just, okay. uh, it didn't bring any excitement or nothing for it. Well, you know, they, they just... I mean, just think of the, how this trailer could have been if we had Luke swinging a lightsaber at someone. If we had a shot of Han with Chewie piloting the, the Millennium Falcon into destruction. If There's so much they could have done with this series of stories. And I feel... And yeah... The new generation says, hey, it's not their story anymore, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but it's the Skywalker saga. The whole nine right. films have been the Skywalker saga. It may not have always been Luke, but it was Skywalker. So, you know, where are we going with this? And I still, I will never forgive them for having all three of the main actors alive and never putting them together. Saying, not giving us that when they totally could have. And made it work. And it wouldn't have seemed just like fan service. They could have done it in a good story. Yeah. And that's, but that's me bringing my baggage to it. I know people who love the Raylo story. Right. Oh God, I, you know they they want them to get together so much. They want Kylo to be redeemed. They want you know they're so right. into those characters. It's for that I guess it's for that generation and that group that learned this new. But to me, if you're telling this long of a series of stories, I feel like they kind of abandoned it two thirds of the way through and and did it weird. I still wish I had, I'd like to have seen what Lucas would have done. I I had a hard time being emotional about it at all and because I was kind of like even though I'm invested in these characters I'm still not uh, Ray and Finn and and Poe I'm still not like drawn to the them as characters yeah. as people that I want to like survive uh not the way I feel about Han and Leia and Luke and I didn't even start to realize how I felt about Han Leia and Luke until we started killing some of them and I'm like wow I'm kind of emotionally tied to these characters Han's death had a, an impact on me it, it it did rock me a little bit I wasn't expecting it I, even though I knew it was coming uh, it still rocked me a little bit now I'm kind of expecting it you know and that's the thing I I really truly believe one of the things we might see in this movie is a hero a huge hero sacrifice and I, I i think gary you're getting on it about the millennium falcon explosion i think there's going to be something with the falcon and i think we're going to have chewy and lando and c3po and r2 and leia all in the falcon and it does something and explodes uh makes a major sacrifice that helps them win the day i don't think leia is going to be that far into the movie you don't think she'll make it that far I but even she, if it's I about think her stuff's going to be earlier i could see that but i i could see this major sacrifice where the old helps the new and that's how the story ends, basically, for them, is that they sacrifice themselves, including the Falcon. Because I kind of see the Falcon as a character. I will, oh, yeah. yeah. And so you kind of have to kill the, all the characters, right, if you're going to continue on. And I could see them making that sacrifice. 
And I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Part of me is like okay with it because I've prepared myself for it, right? Like I'm going in prep this time. As opposed to Han, I was not prepared. Even though I kind of had a feeling it would happen, I was not prepared for it. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm ready. Do it. You know, like, like I'm just kind of like prepared for that. I know there's a lot of people who are like, like, oh my gosh, they're going to kill C-3PO. And I'm kind of like, so? <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. There's some people like, you can't do that. And I'm just kind of like, you didn't see this coming? Like, I, I kind of saw that part of it coming. I wonder I, if they're going to take a moment. I can almost see them. I don't know if I'll like it or I'll hate it. I could either love it or hate it. Imagine C-3PO. There, we've seen the shot where his eyes go red. I could see him doing something where he's trying to use his language ability and his communication ability to like sh- take over something or t- you know take over yeah. that fleet or whatever. And I could almost see like Palpatine almost communicating with him, trying to stop him, like right. via the Force, and not throwing out a, a Schwarzenegger line, but almost something just giving C-3PO that moment to be a badass. To actually yeah. be like, I'm fluent in over several millions of forms of communication. You have no chance. You know, and just something where right. everyone cheers that 3PO does something. Finally did something thing. that was a big I, deal. I have a yeah. feeling they might give him that moment. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen there. And I, I have a feeling I'll enjoy that. <laughs> I think the tough one for me would be Chewie. Going out? Yeah. Yeah. Only because we just recast the character. Yeah. And Peter's past yeah and i just think the fans would have a hard time with that because it would almost be like paralleling life a little bit yeah and and i maybe a little too close to home on that i don't know maybe that's why i'm not like please don't do that to peter i mean they could do whatever they want to the characters it's their characters but like part of me is like it's almost too soon you know what i mean to do that but they have the right to do it now i'm thinking too about this trailer about some of the things they're missing in the trailer i was gonna bring this up there's no Knights of Ren. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. How does that happen? Apparently, if they're going to be a major part of the story... How does it happen in the final trailer? You yeah. don't even see them. Then, there's no sort of reference back to reference to the Ray scene at the end of the last trailer, right? So, I still go back to, great, is that a dream sequence? And they're just, like, it's another misdirect by, you know, the master of misdirects, J.J. Abrams, because we all know he does it. Or is this trailer the Mr. Act? You know what I mean? Like, when you compare all three trailers, like, the first one was kind of a nothing trailer. It was just a beef trailer. It wasn't much there. But when you look at the other two trailers and you compare the two of them, it's almost like there's two different movies going on here. Yeah, it's going to be... And so I'm curious as to what the misdirects are. Yeah, there's a lot they're showing here, and it's got to all fit in two and a half hours. Again, I'm worried it's just... It's going to be too much. But think back to the first movie he did, right? Force Awakens. Think about how many things we saw in the trailer. That never even ended up in the movie. Like, not even kind of, sort of. And I kind of look at all these trailers going, how much of this is never going to sort of even kind of end up in a movie? Just think about it. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. But <clears throat> I just it's I just want them to tell me something. I mean, obviously, they're not going to tell me something all new. We're getting Return of the Jedi again. You really? Well, we kind of are, yeah. Kind if of. Palpatine's We're returning. Vader yep. and Luke fight in the throne room with Palpatine there right. is basically yeah. what we're having. Yes. <laughs> we're getting Return of the Jedi again. We're, we're getting Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah, at the same time. You're kind of right. Yeah. I think of Return of the Jedi and the big, the biggest space battle we had of the three movies was the 
the Death Star yep. battle or Return of the Jedi. We're getting the biggest space battle we're going to get of these over, three new with, movies. With, over the Death with, Star. <laughs> with the over, maybe over a Death Star or something. I just am where he did it again, where he's going to say, well, I'm going to kind of retell Return of the Jedi the same yeah. way I told, retold as Star As long Wars as there's and, no freaking Ewoks, I'm okay. No, you got the little guy. Who worked. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll carry his ears on my Mando costume now. I, I don't think you're going to see any, not one Ewok at all in this, this movie. Not even an Ewok-type character? Well, the Cookie Master and the, <laughs> the Thainer. Um, or may, maybe the chicken, chicken Nugget guy. I was going to say, the Chicken movie. Nugget guy can yeah. come in? That would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just want them to do some sort of rousing thing about what they got to go do, and they're all done. And that guy goes, and then we eat cookie. <laughs> <laughs> what, when Ray's running through the, the jungle there, yeah. uh, I want to see a wolf wolf chasing him. <laughs> oh, you know somebody could like mash that trailer together and make that a thing. How come no one has already already taken this trailer and showed all those ships coming together and a giant space whale floating right. next, <laughs> next right? to the... Uh, I do wonder, though, I want to bring up a valid question here. These Star Destroyers, nobody's even questioning online like where they came from, right? I'm sure people are. Hundreds of Star Destroyers, maybe even thousands. Where they, are they coming from? They, they came from Palpatine's frozen planet. Well, you're saying it's frozen planet. I'm wondering if it's not remnants of outbound flight because outbound flight was supposed to go out with how many star destroyers something like no there was not one star destroyer at all they were just dreadnoughts were they just dreadnoughts yes. okay they were they were or did they no i'm you know what i'm thinking of i'm thinking about after outbound flight i'm thinking about the second zon series remember they found all those star destroyers that were in a they were in a facility that were just sitting there remember and they used them and they crashed them into a planet well, yeah, the the rebellion did that, right? I'm wondering if that's like a if we're homaging that part of the book. Do you get what I'm saying? Like maybe they're going to mechanize them all and make them all robotic so they could fly on their own. Oh, that's except for the lead ship, right? <laughs> There's three PO, yeah, exactly. and that could be three PO's role. Fleet. Yeah, it would totally make sense. So, now what what I would like to see though is they're seeing Palpatine is. Mechanized, right? Mechanized like Vader and mm-hmm. Grievous. Wouldn't it be neat if maybe Anakin possessed 3PO to go against him? Oh. He built the droid and yeah. ends up taking him away. That's why he gets the red eyes. Right. No, that would be an interesting take on things. A mechanized Anakin against a mechanized Palpatine? Well, you got Vader, you know. We might as well throw in a mechanized Darth Maul and a mechanized Qui-Gon while we're at it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you can't can't do do Qui-Gon because he didn't, uh, they burned his body completely up. (laughs) True. um, How about a a mechanized uh, Mason (laughs) Duke? Oh, my goodness. I'm just picturing all the old. One arm metal. (laughs) I'm just picturing all the old Jedi Shakti. You know, they're all coming back mechanized. (laughs) Well, like you said, they got to do something big because this is the end of the saga. Well, the end of the saga. We're not going to get episodes 10, 11, 12, apparently. We're going to get something new. Well, they didn't say it wouldn't interconnect. They just said it wouldn't be the Skywalker story anymore. Right. It's going to be new. So be careful what they say. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I think they'll interconnect somehow. I still think it'll be. Well, yeah, it's going to interconnect because it's not going to be called Jedi's numbers. They're going to be called Kai Skywalker's. Skywalkers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's I still think that kid's the big deal. I still I'm just curious as to how that plays out. Where does that play in? Yeah. You know, uh, that would be awesome. At the end of the movie, you see the kid, and then you hear Palpatine's laughter. 
And the kid takes a lightsaber and sticks it right through Ray. No, no. <laughs> no, I was going to say the kid shows up in the ending sequence and they're all standing there. They look at him and he takes the end of his broom off. He starts spinning it around like a double dick. <laughs> comes at him with the broom handle, beating them all up. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, 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 no. the Star Wars kid. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, so those were our thoughts on several things, including the Runaways being canceled, uh, Scorsese's take on the Marvel Universe, the Star Wars Kenobi series coming to Disney+, and the last trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So those were our thoughts on that. We'd love to hear some more. So head on over to our website at galaxycast.com or check us out on Twitter or on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to come back after our break and talk about not Star Wars Resistance. That's right, not Star Wars Resistance. We're going to throw it up here, guys. We're going to become a Star Wars and more show, and we're going to actually review the very first episode of The Watchmen that came out on HBO. So we're going to come back and review that, and we'll let you know our thoughts in just a bit. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. got an alert. There's some weird charges on the Discover card. I'll call them. Good luck. You'll just be talking to a robot. Nope. With Discover card, you get to talk to a real person who's just like you. Hello? Is someone there? Discover card! Hey, girl. There's some weird charges on my account. I think someone stole my identity. I can help you with that. It looks like someone used my card to buy a bunch of red jumpsuits, motorcycle gloves, hundreds of rabbits, and some giant scissors. That's so random. <laughs> oh my God. I say random all the time. Are you me? Once upon a time, there was a urge. Sorry, can we speed this up? My family and I are on vacation. When you go on vacation, I sit in a Cave. That sounds bad. I would not <laughs> switch places with you. <laughs> Be careful. Hello? <laughs> Babe, I'm not getting anywhere with this woman. You know what? I got this. Give me the phone. Uh, yeah, is this Discover? <laughs> that ain't it. That's why you handle the money. Discover from the mind of Jordan Peele. Do yourself a favor. Take both hands off the wheel and touch the stereo. Do you feel the power? Ah, yes, friend. There's a lot of evil in the world, but there is also light. And I have been sent to shine a light on all degenerates, philanderers, liberals, and other evildoers and expose them for what they really are. Don't waste your money on unnecessary and corrupting material possessions. Give it to me. There's only one thing that will save you. A highly fortified structure in the shape of the most powerful thing on the planet. Me. Degenerates will ruin this great city. In my wonderful book, I tell of the impending disaster about to befall this planet. Nuclear holocaust. Plagues of flying rodents. The seas rising up and turning yellow. It is coming. It is written by me. But you can save yourself. Contribute to the Pastor Richard Salvation Statue Fund. Pick up your telephone. Call now. 1-866-9-SAVE-ME. 
The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. It's Ewok Village. I must see my friends. Let's set. Dear me. It's C-3PO, Lovre, and Ewok Village playset. Action figures eat sold separately. You have to put it together. Your throne, O Golden King, will celebrate with special stew. A barbecue. No celebration for me until my friends are free. Ewok Village playset from Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Action figures sold separately from Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review Season 1, Episode 1 of The Watchmen. It was an interesting show. It's on HBO, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to see it. I highly suggest on streaming service, go check it out. Uh, I have PlayStation View. That's my my streaming service of choice, but you could use any service out there. And it was about an hour long, a little over an hour, because I think they added some time to this particular one because it's the first episode. Now, Eric, you kind of set us up, because when I watched it the first time, I had no idea what was going on. And once you told me, I was kind of like, oh, that makes a little more sense. Yes. than than. So why don't you help our audience out if they don't understand the context of Watchmen? Because I think that's important. Yes. And I don't think they did much... In the show to set that context, they, and I they, wish they, they had. You, they dropped you right in. Right, and I wish they would have given us a little <laughs> info coming into it, but go ahead. So, Watchmen was a comic book by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. God, I hope I get that right. For some <laughs> reason, I'm questioning myself there. came out in 1985, which was a banner year for comics. It was the same year that the Dark Knight comic book came out. Correct. So, it's a alternative timeline story. It was a 12-issue limited series. It's You can now buy it. I don't think it's ever gone out of print in graphic novel form at Barnes and Nobles and wherever right. you want to go, and you can read the whole series along with these intermittent essays that are also written by Alan Moore and stories of the time period and newspaper stories and all this stuff. But it takes place in 1985 when Nixon is still president, and there's an all alternate to history timeline where masked vigilantes grew up to become. They call them not quite superheroes because they still call them like mask vigilantes because most of them really aren't superpowered. There aren't right. there aren't really powers. Uh, in fact, the only character of the entire book who gains superpowers is a character called Doctor Manhattan, who's right. a scientist who gets disassembled in, the, in an atomizer and he reassembles himself and is now super powerful to the point where he can take apart other atoms and he can see time back and forward. He's like this almost godlike. I think he's almost like Superman meets oh Firestorm. Yeah, Firestorm, sorry. In a way, uh, he's got this weird, he sees the world differently. He sees all time right. at once, and he's right. just, it's, it's very, you have to read the book. So anyway, 
If you read the graphic novel, it's this great alternate history story, kind of tells from the 50s to the 80s, uh, or even earlier, like the 20s to the 80s. It has all right. these different things that happen, all these characters, blah, blah, blah. You've seen the, the smiley face button with the blood drop on it. It's one of its, you know, go-to imagery. Imagery, yep. <clears throat> great, seminal, considered to be one of the, pretty much the greatest comic book story ever told. And it actually made it into the top 100 novels of all, of all time. time told uh, which was picked so it's the only graphic novel that made the list so it tells you how good the story is uh without getting into the details of the story the movie came out most of you probably are familiar with it well not i'll i i'll think most of our audience reads. i would so think most of our you probably read the graphic movie. novel but for those who haven't who've seen the movie it does tell the same story but varies in some significant ways especially at the ending the tv series is a sequel to the graphic novel Right. It ignores the changes from the movie. So if you go into this after having watched the movie and expect that story, you're not going to get it. You're, you're and that's what I came into this as. And, and that's, that's why, why I was kind of glad you, you, yeah, that you explained that to me. So what's the ending in the graphic novel that's in so In the different? ending of the movie, there's an explosions all around the world. Right. And they have a, a signature, a waveform and energy signature that makes everyone believe Dr. Manhattan blew up a bunch of cities because he's angry with the world for its warring ways. He leaves Earth, and he lets everyone believe that because he realizes that it brings the world together. Right. But it wasn't done by him. It was a. It was done by Adrian Veidt, the, man, the character Ozymandias from The Watchmen. He, right. he basically determined that the only way the world could survive and everyone would come together is if they thought there was a greater threat attacking them. Okay. Which he got the idea from old Reagan speeches, where Reagan often said, I... I wonder how quickly we'd all come together and set aside our differences if we were attacked from an outside force. Right. He used to say that in old speeches in the 80s, and I think yep. that, that was one of the things that he picked up on when he wrote the graphic novel. In the graphic novel, it's not Dr. Manhattan that people believe attacks them. Adrian Veidt spends the entire series bringing together psychics and artists and engineers and geneticists, and he builds a, a giant living creature. They genetically engineer... A, a giant creature, like squid-like right. creature, that everyone who's doing it believes is for a different reason. They're not being told the truth. He then murders everyone involved in this thing. Right. And he, using the power of Manhattan, he, Manhattan can teleport objects. He does learn how to do that. He sends this thing into New York City. It appears, and it instantly sends out this massive psychic shockwave that murders millions of people. But instead of it happening all over the world, it only happens in New York City. It's not multiple cities. And I think three million are killed instantly in New York City, and a giant explosion is caused by the technology of it being teleported. And basically this giant, weird, tentacled creature is left lying in the middle of Manhattan with all these people dead, and everyone believes it is an alien invasion. So he convinces the world that an alien attacked or some interdimensional being appeared... People stop fighting because they've got to figure out, is this going to be a continual threat? What's going on? And it, it works. Manhattan, who learns that it's all a fake thing, decides, well, the result was worth it. Everyone's coming together, so I'm not going to say otherwise. The other Watchmen who are alive, which at the time is uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre, right. they're the only other two who've made it, along with Rorschach. The two of them also agree, okay, we won't say anything either, and Rorschach goes, no. Never compromise. Always tell the truth. The truth is the only importance in the world. I'm going to go tell everyone. And Manhattan says, I can't let you do that. And Rorschach says, then just do it. Just kill me. And Manhattan does. Blows him up. Atomizes him. 
What no one knows is Rorschach has mailed his journal in which he writes all his ideas and notes and what he, how he sees the world. The entire 12-issue graphic novel series often uses him as a narrator. What did I say? He's the narrator, right? Yeah. A lot of times. Through a lot of it. And his journal is all about the way the world really is and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's written down what they figure out to be the truth before they go off and confront Adrian. And he sends his journal to a newspaper. And the last scene of both the comic and the movie is a reporter grabbing out of the pile that journal and we realize he's going to publish it. He's going to read it, learn what it is, and he's going to publish the truth. The movie clearly, the TV series clearly carries over on that because we be getting into now what we've watched in the first episode. Right. There are a series of people who dress up as Rorschach. They put on his mask. Right. They're, they're uh, people think of them as terrorists, and they're also calling them a white supremacist group. But and they're they, part of the Seventh Calvary. The Seventh Calvary is what they're calling themselves. Right. They clearly believe in Rorschach's teachings. So at some point, his documents must have been, I think we'll learn more as the series goes right. on. Maybe it wasn't published by the newspaper, but maybe it snuck out. Well, or at least got to someone. Right? Got to yeah. some people. And and so there's there's people out there who know the truth, who don't believe that an alien ever hit New York City, that it was all a lie. Right. But there's a series of people who still believe that, or at least are trying to keep the secret. And that's where the actual TV show starts. It starts modern day... Well, it actually doesn't start modern day, and that's it what threw me yes. off, like, big time. So there's this this whole scene that happens in Tulsa, right? Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I gotta be honest, it, it I tried to look for it. I couldn't, like, the night that I watched it, I night watched it, like, the night after it happened. I couldn't find anything about 1921 Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you look that up, you will find nothing. About Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then you told me about a it's black, black Wall, Wall Street. Street. It was basically an entire community that black community members had built up themselves. They owned all the businesses. They were building their own government. They had their own police force. They really built this community that was thriving. And there was such a racial hatred of them doing that at the time that the KKK, members of it and factions of it, along with government sanctioned, like, like part of the government, right. raided this town and murdered 300 people and ruined it. And it's been, over the history, it's been completely whitewashed. It's been hidden away. That I gotta admit, it's I, hard to I've find. studied a lot of American history, and I mean, you've seen the books I read yeah. about all sorts of history, You're not even gonna, the obscure history of American history, and I've never read about Black they, Wall Street they, they ever, and I'm just so, absolutely shocked. But you can now, finally, you can't the word's find getting anything out. out there about it. People and, are learning about it. Well, this show it. apparently has brought to yeah. light this this incident that people have never talked about man i hope somebody writes a book about it i think there are i mean i think there are books and stuff you could find if you know what you're looking right, if for. you know what you're looking for i think that's... now it's going to become much more of a higher public consciousness type thing because and i think that's a genius way to start off this show yeah is it's the type of political commentary and hidden things that alan moore used to like to focus on and and tell the weird you know tell the the side of things that maybe you weren't getting in your main media. And the fact that the show would take that step right away and kind of go that it's subversive route, it's gutsy and it's very much in line with the Watchmen telling. So that caught me right away. Gary, have you heard any story of this before? Like, I didn't... This had enlightened me. That's why I was kind of shocked. Yeah, I, I, I never heard anything about the Black Wall Street or anything there, but... Like I, said, I know a, a little shout out to a buddy of mine, Eric Cooper, who writes a bunch of comics. Mm -hmm. He did a comic called Night Seeker. He writes a few book novels based on that. He didn't really do it as a comic. He did it as three novels. And he did a couple others. He was writing one called Star Enforcers. 
Um, he's actually putting together, I believe, a story on this wow. that he's considering, and maybe he hasn't announced it, so I'm hoping no one... He, don't get mad at me if you haven't announced it. But I think you've talked about it online. I've seen social media and stuff. But basically, he was the one who enlightened me on it. Wow. And uh, the, the one thing I did know from the, this this show, beginning of the show here, is the silent film with uh, Bass Reeves. And all right, that. yeah, you did, yeah. And I educated you on that one. And that, uh, Bass Reeves is the... He's a he's a black law enforcement law enforcement person that uh, the Lone Ranger is based off. Of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things I was amazingly impressed with. And you, I mean, later, like right after we see Black Wall Street, and then some stuff happens with police and a murder and the Rorschach mask. Then we see a performance of Oklahoma. And yeah, you started talking about the layers. In, like, in Oklahoma. Uh, well, I was just like, okay, so now that makes the Oklahoma scene seem much more poignant, poignant because it's like, oh my gosh, like. Not only is it an all-black cast, but you're talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the musical, and it's kind of like, you and know... they're all singing happy about right. it. So the, the inner layers of the whole thing was just kind of like, oh my gosh, like and I couldn't make that connection unless you told yeah. me about that. And then to jump ahead from that, you were talking about the names of the characters. Yes, and because how the, later the, the, the police chief, I'm assuming Don, is, Don Johnson. Don Johnson's character, his last name's Judd, and in Oklahoma, the bad guy, because I know I played him... Is named Judd, <laughs> so it's just like you know and when you then, make these then interconnections. Sa- but he says, but then he said he played Curly he in played his Curly high school version and it's sings just, the songs. Oh my gosh, it's so it's it's very much it's what quite that's what Alan Moore do, did in a lot of what he did. He did it with yeah. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He did it with Watchmen. He go it's so deep okay. that he used to write. That's one of the reasons he's considered the, one of the greatest comic auteurs of all time. Is yeah, that the type of the connection, the levels of story he told. Yeah. This first episode alone has me very interested because of the levels they're telling. Well, and I, I recognize some of the connections pretty early on, too. I mean, you, you pointed out the smiley face with the eggs. I yep. caught on to that one pretty quick. The squids in the background on the posters, I don't know why that grabbed my attention, but it did. The only thing I was totally confused about, and I still can't seem to understand on the second watching, is the squids oh, coming I, out I, of the sky I got like it rain. Now. I know what it is. What is it? They're still faking it. The, they need to keep the populace thinking that there was thinking an alien that invasion. there's still risk. So there's incursions, there's breaks. They, they're making them think that there are openings or slices from this other that another attack could always happen. It's how you keep people safe or okay. keep them docile. Is we've got your best interest. We're doing what we can to stop these incursions. Blah blah blah. I think it was a faked thing. I think that the government knows the whole you know what Vite did. And they've, some people have figured it out, but they're like, we can't tell. Because so now it's the, big, it. it's the biggest controversy in the world. It'd be like the government coming forward and saying, well, yeah, we did murder JFK. You know, so right. It'd be like some you'd lose all faith in your, in your leaders. Right. So I think they have to maintain the illusion that this is a risk. And I think that's what that was. I bet you it happens all over the place that they do these little drops Incursions or whatever, there. and they, they fake them. I just thought it was funny that the mother gets out of the car, grabs a scraper, just... Squeegee. Squeegees them all off, you know, like yeah. it's no big deal. And I was sitting there thinking, God, well, that that, is, did you notice that's got that to smell gross? It shows up, <laughs> you know? They get to the house, yeah, and the kid is washing with the hose. They're washing right. away the squids, and there's a cleanup truck going by with <laughs> going like by with, information yep. on it about squid cleanup. It's like yeah. there's an industry built up around these incursions. Yeah, if you were to release the truth, you'd have economic troubles. You'd have all yeah. sorts of stuff. So they've kept the lie up for all this time. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like our petroleum industry. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's the same. It runs along the same thought process there. So there's a lot of references in this show to the original 
And I think the one, probably the biggest one in the whole show was the, the ship that they used. We saw the owl ship. Like, we saw the, the owl the, ship. It was very much in the same design. Whether or not, it was, I don't think it was the same ship, but it was clearly that technology has been co-opted and used now by the police. Right. Because that's what they're hiding above during a raid. And it even looks ship. like the ship from the movie, to be honest with you. I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah. got the well, same that's, that's what the bubble like. windows. Yeah, that's what it I looked mean, like in the comic. Right. That's, so it's just like, I even caught that connection. But like, there's yeah. a great thing. So they, they used a flamethrower yeah. in this to take down a plane. Yeah. In the comic, one of the best parts is, I think the only time you see the flamethrower in the comic is when uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre finally make love. He's been in, he's been had a crush on her forever, and he's right. he's loved her from afar, and finally, she, it's like they break up with their significance, and they they end up together, and they're up in his ship above the the city, and they end up starting to make love while still in costume, which is part of the, the whole thing of it. It's like they're not quite who they're always would right. be. You know, they're right. willing to do things. The whole idea of what you can do when you put on a mask is very much a theme of The Watchmen, and it's a theme, clearly, of the TV show. Right. But at one point, she's in the throes of passion, and her hand goes out and hits a button and sets off the flamethrower through the clouds. That's <laughs> one of those very like, yeah, symbolic, symbolic eruptions of yeah. something, you know. So, uh, and that was in the comic, and to see the flamethrower being used like this was like, oh, that was a nice little touch, you know, <laughs> it's got the flamethrower. And then there were some references, at least in the show, flashbacks, or whatever they were called, or flash-forwards, I'm not even quite sure... Of Doctor Manhattan, we saw him on Mars. Well, we saw yeah, we saw him on a TV screen where there was footage of him building and destroying some structures. Right. But we don't know is is that oh we're showing footage from what happened in '85. Right. Or is that now? Or is that is he up there now? Right. I, I wasn't sure. And then he showed another TV screen where they were going down a desk and it had all the characters from the Watchmen, the original. Well, you know, there that was there's going to be a TV show. Okay. It, so it, they were talking about it in this. There, they they kept saying. Tomorrow night, the world premiere, and it's a documentary oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. the vigilantes through time. Vigilantes, right. So that's going to be, I think, part of the story is this documentary. Show this documentary, I think, through the through the TV show. Yeah, so it's going to okay. be a TV show within a TV show. Well, that'll be interesting. Which is very much again what in line with Alan Moore, because when he did the Watchmen comic, mm. he did a comic within a comic. Okay, there was a story that entirely was on its own called Black Black Sails or the Black Something, and it was about this guy who uh, his ship was destroyed by like pirates or something, and he was stuck on a raft, and through the whole series, he was the only one on this raft trying to survive, and he murdered... He, like, killed a shark to survive and ate it, and oh, it, it goes on all... It talks, and it's just this bleak comic story of mm. a... Very much in the vein of a 1950s EC comic, kind of okay, yeah, almost yeah. horror or whatever. Right. And it what happens in that comic, even though it, it's not at all what's happening in the world parallels there's you take okay. symbolism and you, right. you, you take synchronicities and stuff like that and it's this one kid character who keeps coming down to this newsstand in the comic reading this comic about this guy on this raft so it's a comic within a comic so I wouldn't be very surprised at all if they play off a TV show within a TV show to kind of parallel that okay so the the cops in this show I thought you know they they, they definitely put an interesting spin on the police in this TV show. Uh, obviously, they're all wearing masks because they can't be seen because they're afraid of the retribution from the everyone, public. From everyone. Every, the pub, every public, everyone. I just thought it was interesting that even, and I don't know if this was the way it was in the comics. Again, I, I should read the graphic novels one of these days. You know, the fact that he can't even pull a gun, that it's locked up in his car. Well, that was kind of new. That, that, and he had to call up Panda yeah. to get him to release the gun in order to be able to go after the yeah. guy. I thought that was, you know... It was interesting. You, you don't know? you don't get to carry a firearm. You've got to ask for it. You've got to ask least. for it. 
Which I, I think is kind of interesting because politically lately, a couple people have implied that maybe that's what we should do with our police. Yeah. And that's why I've got an issue with it because this show brings up the issue of, like, what if the cop really needs the gun now and you're waiting for it to be unlocked by somebody yeah. at a precinct somewhere? Reading an instruction. Reading, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> the rules manual. Right. right. Or, or it doesn't release and cr- completely and the guy can't pull the gun out and now he's, you know... So I feel bad for the cop who gets shot in a show because by the time he gets his gun out, he gets gunned down and then he gets romaine lettuce thrown on him, which, uh, you know, should have had some croutons with it, apparently. (laughs) Don Johnson had some of the best lines, really, in the show. That that whole line was, uh, and he had a head of lettuce in the car with him. I think it was romaine. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you guys think the guy is that's got the silver mask? Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what his role is. He feels like like a... Sergeant assistant or something yeah, like that, or assistant. an interrogator. I'm wondering if he's going to be a leader of the vigilantes later, just because of the role he had right now. You know what I mean? Well, he was the one who who interrogated the vigilante. Right. Oh, you mean the vigilante's not the Rorschach? Right, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the it, vigilante's it, it, not the be, Rorschach. That could be possible. I think he might become the leader later it on. It could be possible. That I like that actor in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And he played... Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was the leader in the one episode of the Eric Bana... Not the Eric Bana Hulk, the, the Ed Norton Hulk. He was the one yep. who was going to become the leader, but never did. They right. kind of dropped that whole they story. They dropped the idea. And he was... Wasn't he the bad guy in, in Green Lantern, too? No, that was no, somebody else. Different guy. Um, but yeah, so it's like... this. I like this actor a lot. I can't think of his name, but he's in a lot of stuff, and he's really good. What do you, What about the African-American woman? Do you think she's... I mean, obviously, she's going to play a huge role in this show. I mean, I think the whole show is going to be from it's, her point of view. It's starting off from her point of view. Yeah, and I think it's going to be like from her point of view. I think pretty much the whole show is going to, at least the first season will run. Yeah, I, I, I think before this the series is over, she's going to be a Rorschach. You think so? Yeah. Like everybody looking up to her? No, no but, you're, she's on their side. Yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. She took a hell okay. of a risk lying there in the field with the cattle getting shot at. Yeah, but <laughs> no, just... Let's talk about that scene in a minute, because I love I, I love and hate that scene all at the same time. Like, I love it for the fact that, like, from a tactical point of view, it's an awesome defense. You're on a ranch, you have a bunch of cattle around you, so what do you do? You turn on bright lights and you shoot 50 caliber bullets at the, the cattle, which causes them to stampede. So there's that danger. Then you're killing the cattle who are falling over... So there's that danger, and you don't want to be under a cattle when it falls. It's not a good experience. And then on top of it, now they're pinned down underneath, what, dead cattle that are getting yeah. shredded by 50 caliber bullets? Now, I, Gary, you made a point about the cattle itself, which... Go yeah. ahead. Okay, well, okay. They're, they're showing the, the the cow getting just shredded. Right. And I said that... Seemed, it seems like eventually... The bullet's going to go through the, the what's left of that cattle, that, that cow, and go through her. Oh, yeah. It should have. I mean, it was getting... I just think they were being missed. I just Because so. they did show that shot from the gunman's point of view that by the time those cattle were shredding down enough, there was just a wall of smoke in front of him from the Right, he couldn't see much. Everything. So he was kind of firing blindly at that the, point. And the other guy was throwing out those smoke bombs. Yeah, he was throwing yeah, smoke bombs. Which helped. They were firing back. I mean... The, the scene worked for me overall. I it understand. Did. It wasn't that, like it had bad blocking. Yeah, they could have they could have been <laughs> shredded, but I think it worked enough that they were small targets. They went flat really quick. You know, I, I think it was okay. Yeah. So what did what did you guys think of the way they ended that whole scene? The fact that the plane takes off. Of course, I get hit by the, but the way she took out the gun. I thought it, 
Uh, this is the first time where I went, oh my gosh, a TV show actually understands the way tactics work. So, like, if somebody's on a 50 caliber gun, you're not just going to charge the 50 caliber gun. You're going to wait till he reloads because he's yeah. got to reload at some point, right? right? Like, and that's always like number one military tactics wait for the enemy to reload, then go do something. And they did exactly that. I was so glad that finally TV show got that right. And then the bad guy didn't keep shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and never end up, you know, having stopping, to reload, right? right? To reload. That was realistic. I appreciated that. I thought the even the fight scenes inside the trailer that was a pretty good fight. Scene. Was a pretty good fight. I scene. like that she used like going for the weak points in his leg to keep right. taking him down. Clearly, he you know it was. I mean, he she's had some strong. Good big kidney punches on her. Yeah, even, he got so. some good hits on her, but she did a nice. She did that nice kind of walk up the wall, flip around, and right. twist his arm, and take him over. So it had it had a good it was a good fight scene. and it I wasn't like totally it. unrealistic either you know like sometimes when you watch Daredevil some of the stuff's like okay that yeah there's no way you know like you're obviously getting some aerial stunt assist on that I didn't feel like that that happened no, no. in it was any a nice, of this gritty it was fight scene gritty fighting so it was good I mean as far as fighting the the blocking the only thing that kind of confused me at the end of this whole scene is the laughing between her and Don Johnson I didn't understand why they, I think they were just it was this kind of. Was it just like nervous laughter? Yeah, it's like, like we survived. Oh my god! Right, we like lived. holy crap, we did. Well, it's it's <laughs> it was a final crash that John, Don Johnson and the other girl had. And the whole yeah, they came down hard plane, through the trees. You know? Yeah, and he's like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> yeah, he turns to her. Are you yeah, okay? Right. <laughs> well, she was getting shot at, but just the fact that they all made it, I think it was a relief. Like okay. holy crap, you know? <laughs> yeah, we, we made it through all. Yeah, that. and I think that was actually neat because in most movies they'd be like the tough guys, like. All right, well, let's get you know they do some right, right, tough right. line or something. I thought that was more, natural. more realistic, yeah. Yeah, that they would just kind of lose it because they're like we're alive, and the character I feel the worst for. Oh, and that had the best edit going from that scene when it panned up. To oh the stars, yeah, you're right. You're talking about the artistic the, side of it. Became the glistening of the water flying over the grass, and then seeing the horse ride up, and it was Vite uh, Adrian running riding a horse to his what, castle. What did like, you oh. think of that scene with Vite? I mean, like it <laughs> was it was weird. awkward. It was weird. <laughs> I liked it. I mean, that's the type of thing is, I I, I feel like... I'm those, glad it's Jeremy Irons, because yeah. he's the only one who could be that awkward I think weird. those those two assistants of his might not be human. I think they're android. I feel like they're builds of his. I wonder if Because they, they don't seem too. to quite yeah. understand things. And they're very kind of robotic in a and way. And they didn't and, seem very excited about, like, you're going to be the leads in my play, and they're like... Oh. Well, she was. She smiled, but... Uh, but yeah, I, but... I feel like... I feel like there's some kind of a built assistant for him or something. He mm-hmm. lives a lonely, solitary life, hidden away fake. Because it said, there was a newspaper that said, Vite confirmed dead. So everyone thinks he's dead. Right. But he's not. He's living somewhere in a castle and hiding. With, with uh, a maid uh, stroking his thigh. Yeah, rubbing his thigh <laughs> muscle. Yeah. I'm hoping it's his thigh that she's stroking, because if it's not, ew. It, it was. It was totally. She was rubbing his leg. <laughs> but, but, but when I first turned it on, it was last, yeah, yeah. It was last night. That's the scene I, I you got. You came into. I'm like... What the what hell's going, going on? Here? <laughs> well, she, then I got to... She's at her knees and her head's underneath the table. So I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Gary's like, I'm interested. And he's like, <laughs> he's clearly got no clothes on. <laughs> well, and then the cake, I'm still... Am I wrong? Was there a honeycomb in the cake? Yes. Was that the implication? That they used a... They, they clearly... It's like they didn't under, quite understand food. Right, like And that's why I it? think yeah. they're not real people. <laughs> I feel like he eats off. it. He's like, bees mm. <laughs> knees. Yeah. Grace the bees knees and puts it away. Like, no, we're not doing it. And that. I also liked the fact. I think the color scheme of the cake matched the squid from the comics. Did it really? The purple, yellow. It okay. was very much the squid. So <laughs> I, I think that. Yeah, that was another little. If you read the comic <laughs> okay. and pay attention, I'm pretty sure that's what it was looking like. <laughs> 
that whole scene was just weird yeah. from beginning to end. And I was kind of like, I know it's white, and I know he's supposed to be eccentric, but like this was like over the top. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, well, it is Jeremy Irons. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I fully. No, that's a good. That. It was a very good approach. I liked it. And then we have the character I feel the worst for, and that's Don Johnson. By the end of this, I'm kind of like. Oh, poor Don Johnson by the end of this this particular well, episode. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it by this point, understand that we're going to about to tell you something that, that that's a big deal. Uh, the fact that we end the show almost full circle from the beginning. So we assume we're seeing the boy, because he's got the paper, right, that yeah, says take it, care of him. I really feel like that that is the kid from the beginning being played by the character. Who who was that? I know, oh, it was Lou Scott uh, Jr., Jr. was Lou Scott Jr., Jr. Yeah. Playing that role, I feel like he at some point might have been one of the power, you know, the more powerful vigilante because he talked about I could lift two hundred pounds. He was talking; right. she just thought he was being eccentric and weird old person. But he clearly knows who she is and what she does, and it seems like he has a history with the vigilante her, side of right. things. So, did he pull Don Johnson up to the tree? Did he find him and call him? And we don't know. How did he get a yeah, wheelchair right? out in the middle of a field anyway? How did right. he know he'd be there? There's like a ton of questions with that ending. But then we end with Don Johnson... Hung from a tree. Hung from a tree. But here's where it gets weird. Yeah, now you found the this, music, which I right? didn't know. So in the mus- the musical, Judd, they fake his death. Because he wants to see how the town will react to his death. So he fakes his death in the musical. And then everybody's crying and everything else. And he pops out and like shocks everybody in the musical. And he's alive. And he thinks it's funny. And everybody else is horrified that he thinks death is funny and i couldn't help because that's the song they're they're, they're singing playing. the song at his funeral while don johnson's hanging in the air so it's making me wonder is it real mm-hmm. you know like or or are they also like you pointed out in all the other parts of the episode or are they foreshadowing something else yeah. that maybe he's not dead with the number of layers in this one it hour wouldn't alone surprise me. wouldn't surprise me now, now, yeah. now did you notice that he was also bleeding while he's hanging up yes Yes, I He'd did been because what happened? We skipped over the scene. Was he was called out, right? Because the the person who was shot, the policeman who was shot at the beginning of the episode, had woken up in the hospital, so he was going to see him, right? And the way they were portraying it made me think he's going to go kill him. Like I like, thought so too. Like, yeah, because it was very somber. He wasn't ex- happy the guy was alive or awake. He was like somberly dressing and putting on his best. Right, gets right. In his car. He drives out there and he drives over spike strips that blows his tires and so clearly someone's ambushed him and then a light comes on and that's the last we see of him until the ending when he's hanging from a tree right so and and, and then yeah go ahead there, did you notice his badge right falls to the ground and blood drips on the badge just like, like what smiley face the smiley yep. face button button the, the comedian's uh, button right comedian's button which was how this so this is how Watchmen started was it started with a mystery who killed the comedian Okay. And it ends with him, you, it starts off, the whole episode starts off with looking out a window and there's cops investigating this 40-story fall this guy took. And the first thing we see is that button with blood on it lying in the sewer and okay. water running past it. And then it pans up, pans up, pans up, and there's the cops looking out the window and they're talking about this murder. And it ends, I think they, I think they show the break-in okay. happening. But anyway, it, it, it parallels that there's a murder in the first episode, and right. people are talking about it. You know, it, it, this, they, they're, the first episode of Watchmen starts off with a murder mystery. This may be starting off with a murder mystery, same right. way. So it's it's interesting. Again, they're paralleling a lot of things with the with the seri- with the comic and the series. Okay, so 
we'll rate it like we usually do zeros that don't bother tens of must see let's you know i mean this is tough because now we're comparing it to resistance unfortunately we can't help but do oh that. i'm not gonna I'm but not, you gotta put oranges. that out of your head a apples minute and, and just kind of yeah like apples and oranges is a bad boy i mean want to go first who would who'd like to go first rating this one this one i think might be easier to rate i'll go go ahead i'm giving it a solid eight cool like we talked it's artistic it's got great visuals. It's got neat transitions. It's got a lot of little hints and 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 things for fans of the comic. Um, it's implying a bigger story that we're just starting to get into. I like the idea of what may have happened over time uh, with cops wearing masks because the whole Watchmen series about masks. It was vigilantes back then. Now it's everyone seems to put a mask on because they're all worried about their identity. Right. It's got the mystery. It's got the all sort. you know, the Redford being president. Right. <laughs> and did you Redford. hear he's been president for 30 years? No. Yep. It's a, yeah, really. So he's been, it's like, obviously they've gotten rid of term limits. He's, he's <laughs> right. more of like an emperor almost. Um, well, well I, I think they got rid of that I don't think they ever ha- had that. Actually. Oh yeah. Cause, because Nixon, Nixon was, was, Nixon was, was on still, was still in, in 85. Yeah. yeah. So I liked all that. The only problem I had with it was it almost seems to be too self-interested in its obscureness. Okay. It's like it's not really accessible to someone who you you really have got to have read the comic, know the comic, and to come into this. And that's great, and a lot of people have read the comic, but I feel like they maybe could have told us the story a little more straightforward. Yeah. I know it'll all become clearer as it goes, and that's the thing. Most people who tune into something like this tune in for that kind of mystery that'll build over the series of, I assume, 12 episodes or something along those lines. Right. But it, I feel like they could have explained a tiny bit more to us just to get us up to speed as to what we're looking at, what year we're in. Right. You know, all that stuff. I would have liked a little more, but again, that may all be answered soon. So I'm going to give it a good solid eight and say it's very worth watching. Okay. Uh, I, I give it a six. And the reason why I give it a six is because what Eric just touched upon. I have read the comics. I'm only familiar with the movie, and I was lost. Yeah. Full, full, full out of it. So, but other than that, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. it was, I stayed awake for it all. Like Bob, like Bob <laughs> said you weren't, before. you weren't sleeping this time. So, I, you know, it's funny. I was going to give it a six for a lot of the same reasons, Gary. I, I, I had to watch it. This was my second time watching the first half, and I was so confused. Like even Austin's looking at me, going, uh, "I don't get what's going on." And I looked at him and I go. You're not the only one. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea either. And it's got me, that had me slightly worried because I was like, okay, now i got to watch it with Eric <laughs> because he's got to explain for this because I'm missing something. And even, like I said, like it introduced something I'd never, ever historically heard of before. I, I wish you almost needed to have like a QR code for me to click on that and go look Learn. that up first yeah. and then go, Oh, this is a thing. Like it actually happened. Because like, because Watchmen know? plays so much with alternate history, the problem is a lot of people could assume this is an alternate history. That's, thing well, that's what was the assumption real. I yeah. made. I made the assumption that, and I even said to Austin, I'm like, I've never heard of any sort of black massacre in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm like, I think they're on an alternate timeline, and maybe we're starting that direction. So I just assumed we're already on an alternate Earth, alternate timeline, and there's another Watchman somewhere. You know what I mean? That's that's where my brain headed to. So you're right. Like to a ex- large extent, if because I'm not a, an avid Watchman reader, I had no idea where they were going to. Then when you explained what the Black Wall Street was and what had happened, and then 
I started to make connections into the storyline about how that might roll into the Watchmen. It brought a lot together. There, but but it did. But I'm also there's still a lot of things that they did, and I'm sure that, like you said, they're going to get to them. Like, why are we collecting watch batteries and yeah. spades? Which I don't get that at all. I kind of wish they had made some more throwback connections to the original Watchmen that we know. You know what I mean? Like, to me, there wasn't quite enough of that. The only the only the only we had of that was the things on the TV. Right. And I just wish there was more, and and it, it, that's what threw me off quite a bit. And, and like Eric was saying, this they'll probably show it more later on. You know, sure, the TV show was a TV show, so. It's, but yeah. what they kind of needed to do, and, and you're right, it, maybe it's the straightforward storytelling thought process. They jumped in assuming you've got some things under your belt. I think they needed to provide me some things under my belt before they jumped in. Yeah. It's definitely and, and a that deep dive. threw me off. Right away. It's a deep yeah, dive. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, I was into it. It's not like I was bored with it. It just, it was a brain tease if, if you have no idea what's going yeah. on. Honestly, it's kind of a mind screw if you don't know what's going oh, yeah. on. It's very weird. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like I, I still to this day cannot watch Legion. I tried. I tried. I made it through the whole first season, but it is such a brain screw that you just can't. I couldn't get it into the second and right. even the third because I was still racking my brain from the first season, and uh, so I worried a little bit that if you don't have an Eric Merchant around <laughs> to be able to explain some of this stuff, you may be completely lost about what's going on. Maybe this is why this podcast might become important later on, that maybe we enlightened some people onto right. some things. Eric is our cliff notes. He is. He's my cliff notes for this, because I was kind of like, I didn't understand. And I'm glad you were here, because you explained some things. I went, oh, and the light bulb clicked for me finally. You know, so, and I'll, Like I said, it's there's there's things I could be wrong on. I could be wrong on why sure, the split I mean, rain happened. But, I'm, but I'm, it kind of makes sense now you're saying that novel yeah. that's that's them still faking yeah. things and causing incidents and stuff like that just to keep people in line so it, there's a lot that i think i know where it's going but they may they may screw with me too so so we might keep revisiting watchmen we got i would a, like to we got a little time before mandalorian starts <laughs> we got about and, uh, two weeks yeah something like that so we could keep revisiting this we could do mandalorian and come back to this later on and finish it up and uh i just thought it was an interesting show for us to start watching and checking out and Hopefully you do, too. So we'd like to hear from you. So head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. Uh, and we would love to hear about your thoughts on the first episode of The Watchmen. And let me say, support your local comic shops. If you please, haven't read The Watchmen, please go, go. Yeah. and find, not necessarily, I mean, Barnes Noble, too, they're hurting, but a bookstore or a comic shop and find, get Watchmen. Find, find your ahead. local comic shop. Yeah. And support those guys. Support the small businesses and buy yes, it. Please. Read it. It's, it's getting it. close to Christmas. It would make a great, great Christmas Oh, yeah. Gift you got for those people who love graphic go for novels. It. Go for it. So please do. I agree, Eric. we got to support our local comic book shops. But, like we always like to say here at the Star Production Studios, may, may the, the force be with those who listen. To the Knights of Ren. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line... We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line. You fail. 
for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.